Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We are not to be insulated from the world. We are to be a change agent to the world. Through Christ, we are to be light to our neighbors. We are to offer hope to our friends and co-workers. We are to infuse life into a desperate world. Through Christ, we will do even greater things than these. We will lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We will see the city transformed one life at a time. We are the church. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I'm speaking on this morning. But before I want to get into the scripture that most of that was based on, I just want to revisit our mission statement because I know... um, You know, I bring it up every now and then, and and for many of us it's familiar and some of us it's not. But our mission statement as a church is to reach and positively influence our community and world by building a significant church that loves God, loves people, and loves life. That's our mission as a church. And, and, And so the inevitable question has to be, how are we fulfilling our part in that? How are you fulfilling your part in that? What are you doing towards fulfilling that mission. If you're part of this church, you know, what are you doing to fulfill that mission? You know, you see, if we were really to reach and positively influence our community and world, it would be ridiculous the, the, the fruit that would come from that. You know, um, the truth is, though, until we personally take responsibility and, and respond to that, responsibility, respond to that, uh, we're never going to actually reach outwork our mission as well as God would want us to. And, and, and so there's a personal responsibility in that. And, and I want to make you just aware that it's not someone else's job. It's not, it's not the pastor's job. It's not Greg's job, Chris's job, Robin's job. It's not, no pastor's job to do that. It's actually the church's, the body of Christ in, in motion, you know, to, to reach and positively influence our community and our world. And is it my personal responsibility to do that? Yep. Absolutely. Is it my responsibility to make it happen in your life? I'll try to. But whose responsibility is that ultimately? It's yours. You know? And if you're a part of this church, I, I hope you take that seriously because it's the only way we're going to do what God has called us to do here this morning. Now, it's not only just our church's mission because Jesus has left, left us pretty clear instructions when, when he was leaving this earth. You know, it, was, it was pretty clear as far as I can see. He's given the church, the body of Christ, a mission called the Great Commission. And, and, and it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. All nations, all people, go into all the world. And Jesus said, this is who's leaving the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit it will come upon you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, you know, right where you live, in your families, in your neighbourhood, in Judea, in the, in the region, in the surrounding areas you live with, your friends, your workmates, social groups, sports teams, in Samaria, in places that are different to us, with different people to us, different demographic, different age groups, different, just different, and to the ends of the earth. 
the, the power of the Holy Spirit is to be God's witnesses. Now, why don't you think about what a, a courtroom looks like? A courtroom has a judge, you know, has a, a prosecutor, has a defence, has a jury, and it has some witnesses. Now, we're not called to be a judge, a jury, uh, prosecutor, defence. We don't have to do that. Jesus clearly says we are to be his witnesses. So we don't have to judge anyone. We don't have to prosecute anyone. We don't have to get harsh in the world. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're meant to be God's witnesses. And, and, and so what might that look like for you and for me? And it's not to be weird, by the way. It's not, not to be crazy people. It's just really to share our story. You know? And for each and every one of us, we've all got a story of how we came to Christ. We've all got a story of what that looks like in our lives. And, w- and what we need to do is to understand... Can I put that in a two-minute nutshell? Can I, can I express that? Can I tell someone that story in a short burst? Because that's what we need to do sometimes. You know, I've seen my wife give our son's testimony in aeroplanes, on buses, in cars, in, in conversations, in the toilet, um, you know, in, in just about every environment you can think of. Well, I haven't seen that, but, but she's told me about that. And, and you know, and, and as I've got a testimony, I, I try to do it in, in a couple of minutes, you know, if, if that's the space you've got, that's what you take. And, and we all need to be better telling our story of being witnesses for Christ, the difference Christ has made in my life. You see, Jesus said this to all the believers. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In Matthew 5, you know, and it's straight off the Beatitudes. You know, and he said, you're blessed to be persecuted and you're blessed to be you're merciful and you're blessed. You know, and, he's, and Jesus is telling all those things to be blessed. And then he, he comes with this. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And he prophesied it over all believers, all people, everywhere. And it's such a, a key statement, such a key statement. We're not just the salt for our community or the light for our neighbourhood. We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And, and I want you to realise here this morning, that Christ is saying that to you and to me. So we know who we are and then we know what we're meant to do. See, Matthew 5.13 says this, You are the salt of the earth, he said, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Now, just a side thought. Can salt really lose its saltiness? It actually can't. It really actually can't. The only way salt can lose its saltiness is by allowing too much impurities to add to it until it actually Will, will chemically change composition. And, and, and that's a real guideline for our Christianity, I believe. You know, salt is, is a, something that will help make things pure. But if there's too much impurity, it actually changes. So Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Now you might say, well, what does that mean? You know, what does that actually mean? What, what does being salt mean? And, and, and you may have heard this saying, it's an old saying, he's worth his weight in salt. Others, others would say he's worth his weight in gold. Well, actually, salt and gold in this context were worth the same amount of value. They're actually the same value. And, and in this context, Jesus was speaking to, 
believers knew that this was very valuable, a very valuable commodity. And, uh, and what they could do with it and what they could use it for, because there wasn't refrigeration, there wasn't the modern conveniences we have today, so salt has lost a little bit of its, of its uh, value. In fact, in Roman, uh, ancient Rome, people were actually paid their wages in salt. And that's where the word salary comes from. The, the Latin word for, for salary is actually salt. And, and, and that's how they used to, some of the Roman legions used to get paid by salt. You go, wow, that is amazing. It's equal value to gold. So, so what is, how is salt vapor? What does it do? Let's have a look at a few things just to kick this off. What does salt do? First of all, salt preserves. Salt preserves. Salt still used for preservation for meats and various um, products. And if we're a Christian, we're meant to carry that divine pers- um, be a divine preserver that's the word I was looking for divine preserver and bring that to people to people's lives you know to so people can live forever with God in heaven you know salt purifies it helps purify purify those things it comes in contact with in a very impure world you don't have to look around you don't have to look very hard we should be an agent of purification representing the kingdom of God in, in every circumstance. Salt also creates thirst. And I don't know if you've been somewhere where they provide free salty chips and free peanuts. And, uh, and they're not free because you know what? When you eat them, you're thirsty. And so you buy more drinks and that's the whole purpose of them. See, salt creates thirst. And we as Christians, full of God's transforming love and grace have to be the same for people to create a thirst in them. Why do you like that? What, what's that about? What, what, I need to know more about that. Why are you so full of joy? What, what's that about? You know, I, I want that. So it creates a thirst. Salt also melts. Now, this one isn't so prevalent for us because we don't live in a cold country. But if you live somewhere in the snow or a cold country, um, when the, the roads ice up and the pathways ice up, they actually use salt to melt the ice, because it changes the, the freezing point of, of water. And so we can be the same. The warmth of God's love we carry with us in life can actually melt cold hearts, can bring a, a warmth, a softening of hearts towards God. And finally, it heals. You know, if you ever had an ulcer in your mouth, well, the best thing to do is to gargle salt water, to actually gargle it, and, and it actually helps heal that thing. Now, I was going to use the example of if you've got a scratch on your leg, you could swim in the beach. But I, I recognise we've got someone in our church, Warwick, who, who actually had a scratch on his leg from coral and, and salt water didn't actually heal that thing and uh, took him on a long journey of, um, of healing in that process. But the salt is good for healing. I am the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. So, so what else does Jesus tell us in these verses? Verse 14. He says, You are also the light of the world. He goes on and says, A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp put on a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, in this context, most places only would have had one light. In the, in the, you know, the Palestinian uh, houses, probably would one window and one light, one little candle. And uh, when they're in the house, that candle will be going. But remember, they didn't have matches or, or cigarette lighters or any of those sorts of things. The, to light a candle was quite a difficult deal. So when they went out of the house, they actually put a bowl upside down on the candle with a hole in the top so it didn't get blown out while they were away. And, and, and so when, when he's saying that you're in the, 
So when you're in the house, they wouldn't have their candle covered up. And I think this is the context he's saying here. You want the benefit of the light in our worlds in a dark place. We don't cover up the light. We don't cover up the light. You know, in verse 16, he goes on and says, In the same way, because you're the light of the world, same way, let your light shine. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and they may praise your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And the world needs salt. The world needs salt because it's impure. You know, we, we need salt in our, in, in our world, in, in our environments that we're, we're living in. It needs a light because the world is a dark place. And, and, and it needs it for the whole earth, the whole world. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When we recognize we really are salt and light in our lives, we'll actually recognize what we're meant to do in those, those circumstances. You see, because if you're light, you don't run from darkness. You don't try and hide. You shine your light into it. And, and because if you're light, you don't run from impurities. God uses you as a, a, a change agent, a tr- transforming agent in those circumstances. You have to be wise about that, of course. But, but some people will say, well, I don't know enough Bible. I don't know enough scriptures. You know, I, I don't know. Well, that's not what it's about. So he's not saying you need to know the word inside out. You don't need to be able to quote scriptures in that circumstance. He's not saying that. He's saying be the salt in that circumstance. Be the light in that circumstance. You don't have to know it all before you step into doing what Jesus has called us to do. And there's, I've just got a couple of points here this morning. They're not, they're not deep theological points, but I just want to drive this deep into the heart of our church, this, this, this thought of being salt and light in our world. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes. As the light, we're going to learn to let our light shine. Let your light shine. Don't stop it from shining. Don't pretend that you're not... That you're not a Christian if you are. Don't, don't, don't cover it up, you know? <laughs> I had this thought. Sometimes we, we think we have to force our light to shine. So you, so you go, I want my light to shine. You go, mm. and you go, well, what are you doing? I'm trying to make my light shine. No, you don't. You look like you're on the toilet, you know? And uh, actually our grandson, Rowan, is still in nappies. And, uh, and, and quite often he'll, he doesn't like doing it in a crowd. He likes to go to and find a corner. You'll see him squatting in a corner and trying to make his light shine over there. And, uh, um, you know, he's got glassy eyes and a big frown on his face. And, you know, you know what it's like. But that's not the way we're meant to do it, okay? So get away from that image. That's not the way we're meant to do it. As a Christian, because of what God's done... We recognise it's just a natural overflow of God's love in our lives and our relationship with him. It's a natural overflow of that. And, and, and I'm going to look at a story in the Bible, Acts, out of Acts 16, and it's my favourite example of two guys in the Bible. They outworked them in their lives. They were salt and the light in every situation they came upon. And their names were Paul and Silas, and they have been transformed by Christ. I mean, Paul had been really transformed by Christ. And, and everywhere they went, they were telling Jesus, people about Jesus, talking about Jesus. And, and the religious authorities didn't like it, so they, they would 
arrest them and beat them up and, and they'd talk about Jesus again and they'd arrest him and beat him up and arrest him and beat him up and it just didn't stop it. And the introduction to this, this part of the story basically said these guys were stripped down, they were flogged, they were put in prison, their legs were put in stocks. And for you and for me, you go, yeah, yeah, that's okay, that's good, what, what's next? But I just want us to pause a little bit, just pause a little bit. Try and give us some context and some understanding of this just a little bit before we move on. This isn't just a bad day. Just think about this. These guys were stripped down naked publicly. Stripped down to to nothing in front of all the Roman citizens. Then they were whipped with a whip. Now probably it was 39 times and more than likely, the whip had glass and little rocks embedded in it so I could do the major, major damage it possibly could, rip flesh apart. That's what it was designed to do. Now, did they get any medical attention? No. They were chucked into a dungeon. Now, we think of jail, oh, a nice concrete place where you have a nice little bed and television or whatever, from what we see on, in television or whatever it is, but, but it wouldn't have been like that. I mean... Damp and cold and, and a tough place. And these guys were put in stocks. And the idea of the stocks was to give maximum pain for prisoners. They'd spread their legs as wide as they could, put them on their backside and put their legs into these things. So it would actually induce cramping. So this is like a torture for them. Now, see, you've got a bit more of an idea. This wasn't just, oh, flogged and you know, put in jail. No, no, th- this was a really bad day, if you want to put it in our context. So what do you think Paul and Silas were doing after this day? Let's read about it. Acts 16.25 <laughs> About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. This is just amazing to me. This is just ridiculous. You know, because of who they were, because they knew who they were, they were letting their light shine even in a dark place like this, even under tough circumstances. Now, I guarantee they didn't have an emergency meeting go, Paul and Silas, well, what do you reckon do? There's some other prisoners in this prison that aren't Christians, you know, and so what do you reckon? We should, we should have a Bible study, you know, should we have a, you know, should I quote some scripture to them? Should I, should I, you know, what should I do? Should we sing a song? That'd be a good witness to them. No, they wouldn't have done that. They would have let this flow out of who they were, who they were in Christ, and because of that, they let their light shine. And it's a little bit like if you've ever seen a full moon on a really clear night. I don't know if you've ever driven back from Newcastle on a clear night when there's a full moon. And you're driving up Nelson Bay Road and it's just like the moon looks like it's enormous, like just huge and it's so bright, so bright. And, uh, but let's think about that. Is that. That's not actually scientifically correct if you, if you know that. Is the moon really shining bright? The answer is no, it's not. What's bright? The sun's bright. And what the moon is doing is actually reflecting the sun. It's actually reflecting the sun. In the same way, we do that as the light of the world. You and me may not necessarily be bright on our own, but simply reflect reflect the sun, the S-O-N in our instance, in our case. Reflect the sun, Jesus Christ, in our lives. And people will see that light and they'll go, wow, that Light is amazing. We're reflecting the light of Jesus as a natural overflow of who God is and what he's done in our lives. You know, Paul could have said it this way and he said it this way in the, in the Gospels. 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of that. I don't know about how many of us here, but sometimes we mightn't say it in those words, but we don't actually, we don't, we're not really that confident in the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. Paul says, I'm going to confess him publicly anywhere, anytime, to anyone who'll listen. I don't care what the consequences are. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the light and shine it everywhere I go. And there's two reasons I could think of, at least two reasons why we don't shine our light. You know, why we don't shine our light in those circumstances. One, you're hiding it and you pray, and I pray this morning, that somehow you might get a revelation of that and you take the bowl off. You actually take the bowl off. And the other one, this, this is a bit more, you know, maybe Satan's blowing your light out. Every time you go to, to talk about God, something in you just cringes and withers. Because it takes some courage to do that sometimes. You know, it, it takes some, some, I don't know, getting an understanding of who we are in Christ. And, and I pray this morning that fire might be reignited in the, in the time together here this morning. And, and we'd let it shine anytime, anywhere, to anyone not in a weird way. I'm not saying be weird. Just, just, tell, just be a witness. Just, just tell people your story. God's done this in my life. And it's amazing. I'm a Christian. And it's not about going to church, by the way. Good, great, in church. Love that. You know, we, it's important. That's a part of our walk. But I'm telling you, if it's just church. See, see people aren't sitting at home this morning that don't come to church who aren't Christians going... I wonder what they're doing in that building on Sunday morning. I wonder if I should go there. That's not the way they think. It's not. They only know Christ in us. They only know when we are the salt and the light in their world. That's the only Christ they know. They couldn't care less about this building. As much as we love it and we've put a lot of energy into building it and and are great when people visit us, that's awesome. They couldn't care less. They want to know how much we care, not how much we know. Do you know that verse? No. I don't care about that. Be the salt and the light in people's lives. You don't have to quote scripture. In fact, I would urge you not to vote to quote scripture at them because people just get repelled by that. I'm repelled by that. When I'm walking up the street and someone comes up with tracks and starts quoting scripture at me, I go, get out of my face, mate. You know? It it just isn't effective as far as I'm concerned. Sure, when they come to you, it's a whole different deal. Whole different deal. So so here's a thought. If we are to reach and positively influence our community world, for most of us to fulfill that, it's probably not during a church service, right? Yeah? On the right page here. More likely it's going to be in our... Monday to Saturday. It's probably going to be in an everyday interactions with people doing life. You know, it's probably going to be in our workplace, in our playing sports, socially, friends, at school, family. It's more likely it's going to be in those sorts of things. And, and, and so if it is, just for instance, in our workplace, why don't we go to work believing that God has called us not just to show up, not just to turn up to go through the motions, not just to, but to actually make a difference in people's lives, 
to actually be the salt and the light in those circumstances. I know what it's like to work as a Christian. You get beaten down, you know, and you, you, you end up... Don't, oh, I won't say anything because I might offend someone or whatever. And, and that's not the way to operate. That's not the way Jesus would want us to operate. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying to be the salt and the light in every circumstance you are in. And if we believe we are called as Christians to be the salt and the light, and, and this is for everybody, this isn't just a, for some people, this is for everybody, we need to take that same thought, that same attitude, that same thinking into our workplaces. I am a Christian. I'm going to bring salt and light into this situation. In fact, you don't even have to tell people you're a Christian. Act like a Christian. You know? Act like a Christian. Multiply it. You know, I heard a great story from Warwick and Caroline's business. You know, these guys are kingdom builders. I know probably a lot of you don't know them, but, but uh, um, you know, and I hope this is okay to tell this story, but there's a young girl they've employed as a receptionist and um, she's from western suburbs Sydney apparently bleached hair and scantily dressed and all those sorts of things and uh, um, and they've sort of said look we're a Christian company we pray in the morning we do life this way and, and, and so you, know, you have to make sure you're cool with that and I'm, I'm, I'm making up this as I go so I don't know the full you know I haven't got the full story but but uh, um, but they do, they pray every morning before they start work. That's awesome. And anyway, this young girl um, hasn't got good role models in her life and uh, um, you know, dragged herself up pretty much. And, uh, and basically, these guys have taken her under their wing and, and they took us shopping. They, they, they got, a, got a stylist in to do a hair, do a makeup, and, and to say, this is how you would dress as a receptionist, and, and, and this is what you're meant to be. See, that's being salt and light. That's actually going beyond, can't dress like that, you can't wear your hair like that. It's like, no, this is the way we do it. Let's take it to another level. Let, let, let's help you. Let's, let's buy you some clothes. You know, she said she'd never been in Maya ever in her whole life. She couldn't afford to buy clothes there, and these guys took her to Maya. You know, it's a bit like that Pretty Woman movie or that My Fair Lady for some of you, if it's a bit older. Um, you know, a, a little bit like that. See, if we go with the right intentions, the right motivation, the right heart attitude, God helps us stand out in our circumstances. He does. We, and to be a positive influence, we have to stand up on the inside and go, I'm not going to hide my light. I'm actually going to be the salt in these situations. We're actually going to make a difference in this situation. You know, and, and to be the salt of the earth, I don't know, it, to me it, it reeks integrity and, and ethics. And, and, you know, I've been an employer of, of people in the past and, and I would love it to be the case, but it's not unfortunately, that every employer that wasn't a Christian would say, I'm going to employ Christians because their work ethic is so amazing. Their integrity is ridiculous, so good. I'm going to employ Christians throughout my company. Imagine if it was like that. Imagine if it was like that. If everyone followed through on being this salt and light and brought that same attitude to their workplaces, it, it would be amazing. See, imagine if everyone here lived their lives knowing they were anointed to bring change to their workplaces, to their schools, to their sports teams, to their families. They actually lived as salt and light. 
Not in a self-righteous way. I'm not saying that. To be salt and light in our circumstances. I would imagine our community would look very different. I would imagine it would look very different. You know, so often I can talk to people who are whinging and whining about their work environments. And I've been there, I know. I, I know what it's like. It wears you down. What's wrong and what's not right and it's a dark place and... and uh, but here's the point. That's where you can make the most difference. That's where you can bring the most change. That's where you can bring the light and the salt that Jesus tells us we are. But here's the, the unfortunate thing. For most people, they can't see the difference between us and the world. We just look like the world. We've got the light covered up. We're not prepared to stand up and make a difference in those environments. And we have to. We have to, church. We have to. You see, I remember our daughters, um, Sophie and Claire, um, went to a, a state high school and, uh, um, and, and luckily they had each other. But they went through the whole of school and, and they felt quite, had friends, but they felt quite alienated because of their Christian stance on, on everything. So, you know, they, they wouldn't get drunk. They wouldn't go to the parties they knew would be out of control. They wouldn't sleep around. They, they wouldn't do any of that stuff, you know, that the world tells them they should be doing. And, and I know that they, they, they found it tough on the way through. But, but here's the, the, the amazing thing about that. At the end of year 12, they had multiple people come up to them and say, you guys are amazing. We... we we so respect your stance on that. They wouldn't do it in the midst of it, but at the end of school, when, that, when all the peer pressure was off, they went, wow, you guys are amazing. And I'm saying that to you, you school kids, university people. People might criticise you in public. They might give you a hard time, but I'm telling you, they will respect your stance. If you stand strong, if you stand strong, if you don't compromise, if you compromise, it's gone. But I'm telling you, if you can stand strong, be the salt and the light in your school. I'm telling you, people may not openly come up and pat you on the back, but they are respecting you in the process and they'll wish they were like you. They wish they were more like you in that, that process. So be encouraged. You may not see the fruit straight away, but I'm telling you, there will be fruit at some stage. And this is what happened with Paul and Silas as they were shining their light in verse 26. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. God shows up and he says, I'm going to show off a bit. And the foundation of the prison was shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. He was having a bit of a sleep. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And you might say, why did he do that? Well, he knew he was dead. If, if the prisoner escaped, he was on duty, he was gone. They were going to kill him anyway. Anyway, in verse 28, Paul says this. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. Don't hurt yourself, don't kill yourself, we're here. Now, again, this amazes me as well on so many levels. There's, if God broke me out of a prison and the jailer that had put me in stocks was there, I couldn't care less about him. Man, I'd be out of there so quickly but, but what, what these guys do, that they stop and they go, 
we're here. Don't, don't kill yourself. We're right here. And, and, and that's what many of us do in our lives. We see secular songs or, or, or we see someone drinking alcohol or we see spiky hair or tattoos or, or whatever that is. And they're the Christians. But no, no. no. <laughs> but you know what? We, we, we sometimes stay away from those people. Sometimes we stay away from people because they, they look different to us. They're our Samaria. They're the ones we, we've actually got to make a, make a difference, got to shine the light and, and be the salt in their worlds as well. And don't run. See, darkness isn't something to run from. When you're light, you shine into it. You shine into those dark circumstances. And this is what they did. They stuck around and, and, and they showed love for this guy. You know, the, the, they didn't need to. They could have escaped. They've been salt and light. You know, and, and some of you here are probably thinking, I want to be salt and light, but I, I don't know enough yet. Please drop that. Just let the love of God flow through you and be the salt and light in your families, in your workplaces, in your sport teams, in your schools, in universities, wherever God's got you placed, be that person. Be that person. Because people, they, seriously, they don't care how much you know. They don't want to know that you know how many books are in the Bible, how many verses are in each chapter. They don't care about that. They want to know how much you care for them to be the salt and the light in the world. You know, there was a girl Robin used to work with. And she was her supervisor, I think, from memory. And, and Robin was a pathology technician at the time and, and we were very young Christians. And, and basically, she worked with this girl for years. And, and this girl looked like she had it all together. She was married, had a child. Um, but in fact, there were so many reasons why she probably shouldn't have been doing that well in life. And, and it came out, husband didn't work and uh, he was lazy and he, he just was an eternal student and eventually left her for another woman and, and uh, came out, there was all sorts of background story there was sexual abuse in her life and and uh and her world was rocked it was just completely decimated you know because all the things she she believed in and worked for sort of just this was gone and uh and robin wasn't the only one but there's a group of friends that supported her big time you know and 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 introduced her to the network of, of our friends and 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 uh we we eventually boarded a church and and she cried Every time she came to church, she just cried. And she apologized for crying. And I remember saying to her, look, God's doing something in you. Don't apologize. When you're healed or when you're, the healing's starting to take place, you won't need to cry, you know? And uh, now, now realize that this wasn't Pastor Robin. This was Robin the friend, the pathology technician, the, the, the workmate. So, so you get this. This isn't a, 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 past, a pastor's thing. This is our responsibility to be salt and light in our workplaces, in our environments we're in. And after a full year of crying every time she came to church, just about every Sunday, it stopped. It just stopped. And she made a decision to follow Christ in that time. Did, did Robin, did she see herself as qualified to do that? No. No, no, she didn't know what she was doing. You know, 
She was just being salt and light in that circumstance. Was it instantaneous? No, it took years and years and years. As light, we need to learn to shine our light in every circumstance. And the second point, really quickly, you need to understand if you are the salt and light, it will change lives. It will change lives. Let's have a look at the scripture here, Acts 16. Paul says we're still here in verse 29. The jailer calls for lights. He rushed in, fell trembling for Paul and Silas and brought them out and asked, what? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, when we are salt and light, people want to know what that's about. How can I be like that? How can I get that? What, what is that about? He'd observe them singing hymns while they're in stocks after they've been beaten in jail. That wasn't their intention to get this guy saved. It wasn't like they maneuvered it, or, but it was just an overflow of who God allowed them to be, who they called to be, salt and light. What must I do to have what you have? Is basically what he said. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. You and your whole household. See, it's not running from the darkness. It's shining our light into those dark places. The love of Christ. You know, I thought this morning just to, to finish, I want us to read this salt and light passage out of the message version. Because I, I really like the way it puts it. I haven't got a screen for this, by the way. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. I love that. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on the hill. If I make you light bearers, don't you think I'm going to hide under, hide you under a bucket? Do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop on the light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? Bring out the God colors in life. That's what we do as being salt and light. We bring that to others' lives. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.